Now today, we're going into the scripture in the book of Matthew. The title of the message is Follow Me, Part 2. A few Sundays ago, I preached a message on the fact that God has called us to be followers, not leaders. He came to make us disciples, to follow him. And there's so much in the Bible that is so clear, I couldn't get it all in in one Sunday. So I gave you a little breather to think about uh, the uh, message of a few weeks ago. And today, I'm going to pick up on the subject of what does it mean to follow Jesus. Now, in the fourth chapter of Matthew, I want to read to you from the 18th through the 22nd verse. Listen to the scripture. Jesus, and before I'm, I'm not reading now, I'm uh, preparing you. We're going to interrupt a story where God calls four fishermen to follow him. These four people played a major part in what happened in these days. But God called them very clearly for a purpose. That purpose was to follow him. God still calls today all of us to follow him. If we will follow him, he will bless us and bless others unbelievably. If we won't follow him, if we're going to do it our way, it doesn't matter what God told us to do, then there's going to be some very difficult, difficult days ahead. So I want you to listen, and I want you to try to, you know, stories and, uh, don't really become what they need to be until you find yourself in the story. Next week, when we talk about the parable of the talents, I hope you'll find yourself uh, in the, in the uh, story. Uh, whether you're going to be the one that just goes and buries it and hopes that it grows, uh, or one that does differently. So listen carefully this morning from the fourth chapter of Matthew, the 19th verse. I'm going to begin with the 18th verse, and I'll read through the 22nd verse. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net unto the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed Jesus. And going on from thence, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed Jesus." One was in the act of fishing. The other had hung up their nets. Some of us have hung up our nets. Some are still fishing. What are you doing? Are you a doer of the word or are you a hearer only? Are you one that reads the Bible and says, those are all wonderful stories. Mine must have been great to live back there in those days. I can just see how exciting that might have been. Or are you one that is still singing every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day 
before. When a person, hear, hear this sentence, when a person chooses to follow Jesus, they make a decision. That decision is to set aside their own goals, their own pleasures, and embrace the purpose for which God saved them to accomplish. God calls us out of this world. I don't think there's anyone listening to me in this room right now that does not understand we have a problem. We have a problem. This world is struggling. And God has told us it's going to happen. But he has prepared his children. Just like we prepare when we watch the weather report, we hear the news, we prepare ourselves for what the newsmen say or the news people say about the weather. When we read the Bible, we better do the same thing. When our Father, who created the heavens and the earth, speaks through an inspired and errant and infallible book called the Bible and clearly tells us this is what you're to do in the midst of the storm. This is what you're to do when everything is calm. This is what you do when things are looking good. This is what you do when things are looking bad. You follow me. Let me tell you something, folks. Jesus is the only one who knows where he's going. And I know a lot of you think you know the best way to the nearest fried shrimp place, and I'd appreciate the directions, but that's not what we're talking about today. What we're talking about is the thing that is more important than anything in our lives. Will we become followers of Jesus? Now, let me stop right there and tell you something. Just because you've been baptized and prayed a prayer doesn't make you a follower of Jesus. He says, why call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I tell you to do? You cannot in any way excuse a rebellious life to the inerrant word of God. You cannot make that excuse. It is not possible for you to get any sympathy from God. He has said, I will make myself so evident you will know me. And you follow me, and if you follow me, there's great things going to happen. Not just to you, but to many, many, many others. Our first thing is to come to know him intimately. Now, that takes a quiet time. That takes a time alone with God. It may be when you're driving. It may be when you're just relaxing at home. It may be when you're in some spot that you just enjoy watching the sunrise, the sunset, the waves or the trees or the mountains or whatever. But in those moments, you become aware that there's nobody on this planet but like you. You're one of a kind. Nobody has your fingerprints. Nobody has the direction to how they're to live their life as compared to you living your life. Jesus has said... I will be living proof. I will show you the way. All I ask you to do is follow me. That's what he tells us. If you will follow me, I will guide you to all truth. I will lead you to life everlasting. But you must follow me. 
There's more to it than saying a prayer. There's more to it than just saying, I'm going to go to church on Sunday because it's the right thing to do. Everything we do, we must do in accordance with his will. And the one thing that tops everything else is follow me. God never asks us to do anything that he will not do himself or has already done himself. He gave his only son in order that we could have an everlasting life. He has paid the price. It's all paid for. The Bible says Jesus is the light of the world. He is the light of the world. When we follow him, we take on his brightness. We begin to let our light so shine before men that they see the good work, but they glorify the Father which is in heaven. But throughout all of the scripture from Genesis to Revelation, it's light, 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 not darkness, 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 darkness. There's a big difference between light and darkness, and there's a big difference between the people that walk in the light and those that walk in the darkness. In Jesus' day, the primary fishing was done at night. I remember seeing on the Sea of Galilee when I was a teenager, fishermen, as lights were all over the lake, and they would let their, light, their net down from their boats, and they would be out there all night long. And I was told by the fishermen, as well as the guide, that they would put their net in the water, someplace where they were going to anchor their boat for the night. Then they would hang lanterns out over the water. The fish would come to the light. They still do. And when they came to the light, then the net was lifted and they were captured and caught. That's the way the fishing was done. Now, Jesus calls sinners to come to the light. And when we come to the light, then Jesus can rescue us from the darkness of this world and take us and use us all the days of our life for his glory. Jesus says in Matthew 9, 13, I'm not come to call the righteous, but I'm called, I'm come to call sinners to repentance. Has that happened to you? Have you come to that point in your life when you said, I'm a sinner? I'm just like everybody I know. I have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I know none are righteous, no, not one, and I'm one of those. I'm not righteous. And did you ever acknowledge that to God? Or did you, have you spent all your life saying, I'm just as good as all those folks that go to church, read their Bible, give money, whatever? Where are you in this world? Are you one? that has come to that point in your life when you say, I will forsake everything to follow my Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to notice something else. This may fit to many that are listening or watching. Jesus spent a lot of time calling the weary and the heavy laden. That's throughout the scripture. You're weary, you're tired, you're wore out, you're hurting. You don't understand. And you're heavy burden. I don't know how I'm going to handle this. I don't know how I'm going to do this. Well, the Bible says you're in the majority. 
That's the way life is in this world. But listen to the book of Matthew. Matthew says in the 11th chapter and verse 28, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. I will meet your need. I will lift that load or give you the strength to carry that load, whatever I think is best. But the final message of Scripture is an invitation. Whenever you read this Bible and you come to the book of the Revelation and the 22nd chapter, verse 17, you're almost to the end of all 66 books of the Bible. May I read to you the 17th verse of the 22nd chapter of the Revelation. The Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, the bride, that's Jesus, say, come. Let him that hears say, come. Let him that is a thirst come. If you've ever hungered for the word, if you've ever thirsted for a new life, you are invited to come to Jesus. And look at this. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. You know what I've just read to you? From the last chapter in the Bible and the last verses in the Bible, heaven and hell is placed at the feet of every living human being on the planet and says, take your choice. It's up to you. You can choose this day who you serve. One man in the Bible said that, and then he said, but as for me and my house, I'm going to follow the Lord. Now, if you're not following the Lord, what are you following? Is it going to depend upon an election as to whether your leader makes it or doesn't? Is it going to depend upon your company that you've given your life to? And as long as my company succeeds, then I'm going to succeed. We can go back through my lifetime, and I can remember the J.C. Penney's. I worked for Sears. I worked for a lot of, I remember Woolworths. You remember Woolworths downtown Houston? Where are they? They're gone. They're gone. But you know what? Jesus is still King of kings and Lord of lords. I'm not worried about my retirement because I know where I'm retiring. I'm going to be absent from the body. I'm going to be present of the Lord. And you're sitting there wondering, well, I hope so. You know, I think I'm better than the person I'm sitting by because I know them quite well. <laughs> you know, I know how they talk. I know what they do. I know all that. Well, they know you too. So let's get on another subject, all right? <laughs> I've got a question for you. Why did Jesus require his disciples to be with him until the end of his ministry while Paul and Moses taught their followers through their writings, and through the power of the Holy Spirit. I think this is the answer to that question. Jesus went about in the flesh. He was able for those brief 30-plus years to go about doing good and give a word, a look, and a touch to people so they could see that God is a real person, that Jesus did come as a little baby, he was crucified on a cross. He did rise from the grave. But he was flesh and blood. And that part of the Godhead. So the question, why one group, why not the other? Let me answer it in this way. Christ 
is a true source of light. And only through him, now listen, can we attract anybody. Now follow that. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. You see, if you're a believer, you have had an encounter with Jesus Christ. That was a real encounter. Nobody could talk you out of it and say, oh, you were just emotional that night because blah, blah. No, no. Either you did or you didn't. If you did, you know in whom you've believed. If you don't know, we need to talk. Churches are open almost seven days a week. We do have telephones. We do have offices. We do have office hours. We have a wonderful counseling center, a great staff, and a great group of laymen, a wonderful, marvelous group of deacons and Bible study leaders. We're here to communicate with you only what we have seen and heard and felt in our lifetime as it relates to the Word of God. Amen. You don't have any excuse for you to sit around and blame your brother-in-law because of the way he lives and yet he does this and does that and says he's a Christian. You need to get off of that. That isn't going to help you or is it going to hurt you? It's just going to confuse you. But what you've got to do is let go and let God have his way. Jesus is the only true source of life. Amen. He is the light. There are none others. None other. We became direct channels of light when the Holy Spirit really takes over our life. Let me explain it like this. Whenever you try to live your Christian life in this world or by yourself and do not understand that the Holy Spirit is alive and well and the Holy Spirit wants to live in your body, not to get you talking different, not to get you to brag about you're filled with the Holy Spirit, but that Holy Spirit is here to help you think right. If you think right, you will do right. When you start doing right, the Holy Spirit will give you strength to keep on the journey. You work through your marriage problems. You work through your health problems. You work through your business problems. You work through your relational problems. You work through all the problems. Why? Because Jesus will never turn you loose. And you've probably seen that little writing in the picture, you know, that of, the, of the footprints. And there's two, and then there's just one. And what happened? said, well, that's when Jesus picked me up. Because when you're walking, you can't walk anymore. And you fall flat on your face. And you say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And lift me up again. He picks his kids up. And he carries us safely home. That's a promise from him. What does it mean to follow Jesus? I think it means we, we sort of, for a brief time, exchange... Uh, Places with him. In other words, we, ch we exchange our will for his will. Not my will be done, but thine be done. Amen. Do you realize how hard that is for some people? Have any of you ever met somebody? I know it wasn't you, but have you ever met someone that always had to have their way, their will? You go out to eat, got to go to their place. You're going to go on vacation, you're going to go where I want to go. 
you know, going to do this, going to do that. When I want my way. Well, listen, that gets you in trouble. But when you do the will of God, that'll get you blessed beyond anything you can possibly imagine. You remember the rich young ruler? He was told to give his money away. He refused to do it. Peter, James, and John were told to forsake their goal of fishing for fish and come fish for men. Quite a change in their life. But here's what I think those stories, and there's many other illustrations in the Bible, but we must be prepared in our life to walk away from anything that's hindering us from fulfilling the will of God in our life. Does that make sense to you? You have got to break away from anything that does not express the inspired and errant and infallible word of God for your life. Jesus chose light to be the drawing power of people. What do you think the world's chosen? Darkness. Darkness. The places of sin are filled with darkness. Darkness attracts those that are not filled with the power of God. Those that are filled with the Holy Spirit want to stick with the light. Keep the light on. I don't want to go through the valley of the shadow of death. I don't want to go through that. But if I go through, thou art with me. And I'll be able to find my way out. And when I can't carry it any longer, you will be there. In John 8, 12, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Listen to this. I love this scripture. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. If I'm talking to anybody here today and you love darkness, be careful. If you are drawn to darkness, be careful. Anytime you find yourself in a spot and wonder, why so dark? Watch out. The warnings are over and over and over and over in the Bible. Jesus said in the ninth chapter of John and the fifth verse, I am in the world and I am the light of the world. If you've ever been lost in a storm, if you've ever been in a plane where there was a blackout and you could not see the ground because of weather problems, when you did see the light, it was a happy moment. Many of you are moving about in darkness today. You just can't get it. About the best you can do is say, I just don't know what's happening in our world. The only thing I know that's happening in this world is what this Bible prophesied would happen in this world. And this Bible tells me what's happening in this world while everybody seems to be just stumbling in the darkness because I just don't get it. I don't understand. Why would we do this? Why would we do that? How would somebody do this? On and on and on and on. Well, what is our light? Well, where do we get a light? Well, we don't get it from the Energizer Bunny, that's for sure. Where do we get our light? Jesus, right? He is the light. Well, where can you buy that? You ain't buy it. It's free. Jesus is free. He comes that we can have 
our awareness of his presence. How good it is to be able to walk through life and look up and know that Jesus is with me. Your rod and your staff, it comforts me. You, you, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Whatever happens, you are there. But Jesus understood his mission. Now listen to this. Jesus understood the Father sent Jesus to turn people living in darkness to light. From Genesis 1, Adam and Eve, what did the scripture say? Let there be light as darkness covered the earth. Today, people that are living without Jesus are living in darkness. They do not know which way to go. They don't know which highway to take. Spiritually, they're all mixed up. They say, well, there's all kinds of religions in the world. And so I just don't know which one to follow. Don't follow any of them. Don't follow any of them. If you follow anything but Christianity, they're all dead. All the leaders are dead. Don't follow that bunch. But what you're to do is not follow Christianity. You follow Jesus. And Jesus will lead you if you will just break the bondage of being like everybody you know and be willing, as Jesus was, to be crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the power of the Son of God. Our strength is in Him. Our wisdom is in Him. Our way is Him. And that is the only way that we can go. The more of us there are, and I hate to finish this sentence, but I believe it to be true, the more of us there are, it seems like the darker it's getting. I, I, don't, know, I don't know why it is that we have so much trouble understanding who Jesus is, where he wants us to be, and how he wants to reach this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let others see Jesus where? In me or in you. Let others. Listen to Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God and the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We're weak, but he is strong. We are unable to see what I wish I could see quicker. But if I stay with Jesus long enough, the light takes me to where I need to go. And yours is the same. There's two kinds of light. There's direct light and there's reflective light. The sun is directive light. The moon is reflective light. But that light that we're seeking, we're reflectors of the light, but we can become the one that is actually the light shining. In other words, Jesus comes into us, then we become the light. We can see what Jesus is doing, but one day... Our life, if we commit it totally to Jesus Christ, then we become the one that experiences the light 
because Jesus is in us. Matthew 5, 16, the Sermon on the Mount said, let your light so shine before men that they'll see and they'll glorify the Father which is in heaven. Moses, when he was on the presence of, when he was in the presence of God on Mount Sinai, if you go back and read that in the Old Testament, his face shone with the brightness of God's glory. But when he came down and he was with the children of Israel in 2 Corinthians 3, 7, it says he could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance. Moses began to be a reflector of the life of God, the light of the world. And if you know the story of Moses, he still had problems. And he began to separate himself from the light. And when he did, bad things happened. That's what happens to us. That's what will happen to me. That's what will happen to you. When you turn your back upon the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who gave his only begotten son, his only son, in order that you could have a new life and a successful life and a happy life. Yes, even in your sorrows, you can rejoice in knowing, I know, I know I'm in the will of my Father, and that's good enough for me. We normally are reflectors of the light. But there are times when you become the light. Some of us have been in situations. You might have been on the battlefield in the military. You might have been around a group of men or a group of women or a group of friends. And, and it seemed as though you were the only one that felt uncomfortable in that environment in which you found yourself. And some way, somehow, God just came upon you and brought into you what you needed to lead yourself out of that situation and at the same time not belittle others not try to hurt others but simply saying I cannot do anything else but follow Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount 5th chapter 14th and 15th verse you're the light of the world a city that's set on a hill cannot be hid neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel but on a candlestick and it gives light unto all that are in the house. And that 16th verse says, Let your light so shine before men that they'll see your good works and they'll glorify the Father which is in heaven. It takes time, it takes effort, it takes energy, it takes money, it takes great personal environment to catch fish, not literally, but I'm talking about bringing lost sinners in. We all have to work together. One picks a place. The other one provides the way it's going to happen. Right. One nets the fish as it comes in. Right. All is involved. That's what we're about as a group. When this church goes out of this building, we that are part of the, of the church of, of God all over the world, as we walk out of this building, we ought to walk out of here as reflecting the light of God in the city of Houston, Texas that's been on the, on the news all over the world for many days. Amen. That's who we are, and that's what we are to be. Every one of us need to learn how to praise Him, how to study the Word of God, how to pray, how to grow, how to give, how to comfort, 
how to stay focused and not become discouraged. It's all ours there laid out before us. You say, well, how can I follow Jesus when he's in heaven? Well, let me close by answering that for you. I'm glad you asked that question. You know how you follow Jesus? Because he's, he's within each of us that are following him. We can bind our lives together. That's what church is all about. We wouldn't be here today, or I wouldn't be here today, if I didn't think we can be stronger as one than we could just scattered out. We've got to get together. We've got to worship together. We've got to focus ourselves and say, this is the inspired, the, inerrant, the infallible word of God. We have got to agree that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody can come to the Father but by him. We have to find a place to serve. We have to find a place to give. We have to find a place that is impacting the community as well as the world. Colossians 1:27 says, Christ in us is the hope of glory. We are the proof. We are the proof that God changes lives. If you once were lost and you were, and people knew you when you were lost, and now they know if you're saved, if you're really saved, they know you sure have changed. It must be those clothes you're wearing. It must be, oh, you've lost weight. Oh, you started wearing glasses. On and on. No, that's not what you want. What you want is, Jesus is living my life now. I used to couldn't handle things. I wouldn't go to the Bible. I wouldn't trust the Bible. I thought I was going to do it my way. But one day, my life changed. Now, the way he lives in us is through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit never leaves us. It is always there to guide us in anything that we want divine intervention in. That's up to us. John 14, 16 says, and I'll pray to the Father. He'll give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not. They don't know him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you, and I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Does it make you want to pray? Are you one that's here today that could say, you know, maybe the reason I don't have any answers for some of the problems I'm facing is that I haven't talked to the one that has the answers. I haven't asked him what he would do. I've just watched what everybody else was doing. It's what some of my friends told me I ought to do. And I've quit this and started that and so forth. But as the early disciples walked with the Lord and did those things when he directed, that's what we're supposed to do. We're disciples. God says it. That settles it. John 14, 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do. I go unto my Father. That was his words. He left us. Now we're here. We're not in the sweet by and by. We're in the nasty now and now. We've got to handle this thing. It's out of control. The weather's out of control. Government's out of control. Church is out of control. Everything's out of control. God's not out of control. He's just like he was in the beginning when he created the heavens and the earth.
And he'll still be together in Revelation 22 when he tells us over and over and over again through the scriptures over 900 times, you and I have been invited to accept the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. More than 900 invitations. Why have you said no? What would Jesus have to do? With you, through you, or in front of you? You don't want to wait till he comes again. It's too late. But what would he need to do? To humble you. To guide you. To encourage you. To make you see how important you really are. And you are important. There's nobody like you. Nobody. We need you. But you must be full of the Holy Spirit to be effective. Galatians 5, 16, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lust against the Spirit, Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. There's our problem. Messed up in the flesh. Messed up. Can't handle it. God says, you start walking in the Spirit, we will start, start accomplishing the things of the Spirit. And here's what he said as I close. In the 16th chapter of Matthew, in verse 18, Jesus says, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. That church is still being built. Still being built. Some of us know what a church is supposed to be because of this book. This tells us what it's supposed to be. Others of us have no clue what this says. All they know is what they like. And those that organize for that all over the United States and the world, in many cases, masses of people are coming, but they're not coming to Jesus. They're coming to where people have gathered. They believe as they do. That's got to change. And it will change. It may not be until the trumpet sounds. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And those of us that are alive and remain be called up to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we be with the Lord. He's coming. He's coming. Are you ready?